every play, your job is to not let this man do his job. Mm. If you're covering a guy, he's not supposed to catch the ball. If I'm blitzing, you're not supposed to let me run through this A-gap. And winning the one-on-ones, I, that, that comp, it's really just a competition of this grown-ass millionaire is not supposed to let me do this. And right. I'm a grown-ass millionaire. Let's see who's the better player. And right. it's not just the overall game. I always want to win the game, E. But it's every snap. You got 60-plus snaps. And there's somebody responsible for you. And I want to whoop your ass 60 times. Welcome to What's Next with Eric Wood. Our next guest is Channing Crowder. Channing is a former NFL linebacker who played for the Miami Dolphins and currently hosts his own radio show and also hosts the Pivot Podcast, which I can tell you is one of the best out there. you got to tune into that if you haven't already. We're going to have some fun on this one, and we're going to learn a bunch from Channing. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you tune in weekly. And also, if you haven't already, please go to Amazon and pre-order my new book, Tackle What's Next, and the link to that is in the show notes. Thanks and enjoy. Channing, welcome to the show, brother. Man, I appreciate you having me, big dog. I know. Yeah, usually (laughs) we only get to connect. I'll come on your radio show uh, each year before that Bills-Dolphins game or whatever, so I'm glad we get to connect this way. And I want to start off like this. We got to play against each other in 2009, 2010. Do you want to tell my listeners about how I was the top interior lineman you'd face? <laughs> I don't know if you had Steve Hutchinson and no. Willie Shields and them boys. <laughs> no. But you were, you, you were quick as a damn cat, man, I tell you that. I hey. was, yeah, a little, the little head fake wasn't getting you. You, 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 you were quick as a damn cat. That's funny. That's funny. Um, let, let me ask you this. Playing down in Miami, do you get used to playing in the heat down there? Yeah, you do. And you see when guys come in that, um, you know, when, when you go up north, like when we come and play Buffalo in, in December, yeah, we're not ready for it. But you right. see guys coming them early, them early game, week one, week two. And I remember 05, Denver came down. They were 12 and four that year. They were, they were a dog team. Third quarter, everybody took a knee in the huddle. They were just exhausted. So you get used to it and it's an advantage. I went to UF. So that right. same heat in Gainesville, that same heat in Miami, like you have to, you really have to adjust to it. You see them. Them Big Ten guys come down when they get drafted. It take it takes them a while to get used to that damn hundred degrees. I tell you that the big pasty guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, yeah. The sun starts beating them up. They look oh. like lobsters. Not week three. Yeah, that's hilarious. And, and you mentioned Denver. They got their own advantage with the altitude and all that. But we would go down to Miami, and I would always think to myself. It could go one of two ways. You either get used to playing in the heat, it's your advantage, or you practice in it all week. Then you're wore out for the game. We practice in Buffalo all week where it's kind of nice and cool. We come in a little bit more energized, and although we're not fully adjusted to the heat, that's where I would wrap my mindset because I'm always trying to spin things to where, like, I got an advantage. And I'm like, okay, big Paul Soli, I, he had to practice in this heat all week. So maybe he's a little bit more tired than me. And although I'm not adjusted to the heat, maybe I catch an advantage that way. Oh, man, I tell you, big Paul, that's my man. Love, you know. A linebacker loves the nose guards, but Paul came down from Utah. It took Paul a while to get used to that. I remember Paul throwing up and and walking dizzy back to the sideline for the first couple of weeks. But I would say uh, the right coach is 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 the answer to that to that mm. question because Nick Saban ran the hell out of you. He would dog right. you all week long. So now you're you're exhausted, you're dehydrated. But then once Parcells came in, Toronto and them that you know kind of more veteran coaches that weren't on that college crap. Then right. they would t- they would watch out for you, put you in the bubble more often, let you let you get out of that heat. Right. I always liked finishing guys. I like the physicality of football. I like to compete, but I have one rule against Paul Solii. Don't wake him up. He's you know he's chill. He's a nice dude, but as soon as someone tries to cut him, you hit him late. He's gonna wreck. He can, he can wreck the game if you wake him up. So if we're running a naked. Don't he's not the guy that you want to wipe out, you know, as the offensive lineman on nakeds. We take a bunch of free shots. I'm like, don't touch Paul. Like, let him just chill right there, and we're gonna have a nice good game. But you wake him up, and then he's lined up for me every play. I'm in for one now. <laughs> yeah, man. A lot of the, a lot of them heavy dudes, man, they're they're they're, they're kind souled. They're very right. gentle. Cause Paul was probably shit. Paul was 300 pounds at nine years old. Right. So nobody nobody messed with him. Right, and then now you got it, like you said. Once you get that that, that thing going, that rage up because I've seen I've seen Paul fight at practice, and you're just kind of like Paul. 
what got into you? But like right. you say, if somebody does some, somebody tries to, you know, bend the elbow the wrong way or grab him from the back. And same thing with Keith Trailer. I play, I don't know if you played against Big Keith Trailer, but nice, nicest dude in the world. We're fishing buddies. Right. But sometimes he just get pissed. And when he got pissed, there was nothing. Everybody be crowded, go get him. Crowder, get him. I said, man, you get him. I'm not touching that big old <laughs> man motherfucker right now. Hell no. But you're right, man. Them big dudes will be gentle till they're not gentle no more. Right. So I come in 2009 and one of our first games against the Dolphins. And to that point, we had played the Patriots, the Buccaneers. We played you. You were the best trash talker I had played against at that point in my career. I want to honor you that way. Uh, one Thank of your you. teammates gave me the best trash talk ever. And it was so subtle. And he's such a nice guy, Jason Taylor. I'm, I was playing guard at the time and he was rushing on the edge. He made an inside move. I got him pretty good. And I said, keep your pretty tail on the outside. You don't want to be in here. And he said, hey, you're going to see this pretty face in Canton one day. And I ain't ever going to see your scrub ass there. And I said, oh man, I said, that is good. That hit me too. Like you, you came up with that quick. Uh, what what do you what do you miss the most about the game? Well, honestly, the like the winning a matchup, and you understand what I'm talking about. Like when when people ask me this, and I don't want to say you know people don't know they haven't played the game. I hate that whole you know coaches that haven't played. I know right. some great coaches never touch the field. Great analysts never touch the field. But you would understand when I say like every play, your job is to not let this man do his job. Mm. If you're covering a guy, he's not supposed to catch the ball. If I'm blitzing, you're not supposed to let me run through this A-gap. And winning the one-on-ones, I, that, that comp, it's really just a competition of this grown-ass millionaire is not supposed to let me do this. And right. I'm a grown-ass millionaire. Let's see who's the better player. And right. it's not just the overall game. I always want to win the game, E, but it's every snap. You got 60-plus snaps, and there's somebody responsible for you, and I want to whoop your ass 60 times. And I'm not going to win every time, but my goal is to do that. So I just liked, you know, having a guy in the open field, tackling him, get up and talking trash. Yeah. Get your sorry ass up. You know what I'm saying? Like, why did you even throw it to him? I'm on him. You know, like that that competition of every snap, even at practice, going against Ronnie, you know, Ricky Williams and them boys, trying to cover Randy McMichael and just winning. Like, you, you and me, we have about five seconds right now, and we're going to find out who the better man is. I missed that. Honestly, the checks. Everybody misses the checks. Right. But but the football side of it, I miss those one-on-one competitions every single snap. Let's take a moment for one of our sponsors. The daily vitamins and supplements I've been using for optimization each and every day are those from BrainMD. Go to BrainMD.com and use code ERIC15 at checkout for 15% off. Yeah, I love that answer. You know, a lot of people say the locker room, the camaraderie, you've kind of built a little bit of a camaraderie and a team around you with your podcast, with your radio show. So you get a lot of that back and forth banter now. And so that competition, I'm with you. I love that competition. I loved it in practice. I loved it in the games. I love preparing all week, your body, you come in with a plan, you get it done. Um, Towards the end of my career, I I got a little craftier with some, I call them my ninja tricks where, you know, I might pull someone's back shoulder and get them. And then, you know, where not everything's just bang your head into somebody. And I just love that part of the game. I'm I'm with you on that. All right. I got one more and then we're going to kind of dig in uh, to maybe some advice you have your transition out of the game. I read that in 2012, um, you did an interview with NFL films and you talked about how you peed yourself every game. Is that true? Yeah, man, hundred percent true. So I'm blocking you out on the field. I'm blocking you out of the field, and you're covered in piss. Oh, you got some piss on you. I just want you know, don't be mad at me, man. It's years later. Don't you got some piss on you at some point? (laughs) But it's uh, it was funny. You just talking about the competition side of it. So what started? Well, what started interview was I was doing one of those top NFL top 100s. Yeah, I think it was on Brady that year, and a couple a couple other guys we played that season. And so I'm talking about those guys. And at the end, the guy was like, hey, is there any any good football stories that you have or anything that, you know, any list you'd be on? And I was like, I'd probably make the list of the guy that peed on himself the most. And I'm just joking. <laughs> and, and, and you know, the, the NFL film people are wrapping up. The guys are kind of putting their cameras away. And the producer looked and he pointed at the cameraman. No, 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 run, run, run this, run this. He was like, what are you talking about? I said, man, I'd pee on my leg, pee down my leg every game because my my rookie year, I forget what game, what, three, game three or four. And I had to pee. 
So we get off the field, and uh, the Dolphin Stadium had the baseball, you know, the Marlins shared it at that time. Right. So I ran down into the dugout to go pee. So I'm down there, just got my pants undone and all, and I hear a roar. And I'm thinking we scored. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I got I got a, a TV timeout. I have a kickoff. So I'm fine. You know, I'll make it back up there for the defensive series. What happened was somebody fumbled on our team. Oh. So it was a turnover. So by the time I, you know, I, I pull my pants up, tuck my jersey back in and all this, I walk out the dugout and the defense is up. And we're, you know, my backup, I think, is Derek Pope. He's taking my snaps. And so I go up to the coach and I was like, coach, like, where the fuck were you crowded? He goes crazy. And I'm like, I was in the bathroom. Oh, hey, you got pissed now? So he gets mad. And at that moment, that's when I said, I'm never leaving the sideline again to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So. From then moving on, the rest of my career, the next six years, I, if I had to pee, I'd take a knee, piss down my leg, take a water bottle, pour it off, wipe a towel, throw the towel away, and just keep riding. My whole team knew it. My entire team knew it. And the, the, the worst, worst time was we were playing Chicago, and they had them big white heated benches. Yeah. So I go, I, I, I piss down my leg, then I wipe it off. I didn't wipe it good enough. So I sit on the big heated bench, and it's molded, so it, you know there's no holes in it. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. Actually, it was big, big truck, big Keith trailer. He's sitting next to me, and he looks down, and there's a little, there's a little stream of stream of yellow water headed towards him, and he jumped up. You nasty mother! If that pistol would have touched me, I'd have killed your little nasty. <laughs> he goes crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you know what? It was problem solving. Right. I, I missed a series on defense from going to the bathroom, and in mind. And I'll say it's a little, it's a, my, my mind works different. That was the answer. Okay. Never leave the sideline again. Right. Well, no one on the bills peed more on the sidelines than probably me because an offensive lineman, you have to hydrate. Like you're going to play 80 plays a game. You might only play 40, but you're never coming out as an offensive lineman. So you got to hydrate and prepare like you are. So there's plenty of times where I overhydrated our offense stunk. We didn't give them any reps and I'm just peeing all throughout the game. Cause I'm not sweating. Like I'm, uh, I'm supposed to, but I, I would pee on the sideline, but you know, I respect that you're willing to to do whatever it takes. And that's why you're at where you're at now. That's why you were where you were in the league at the time. And you, you mentioned seeing Pope do your job and what that did to you. It's funny. Like all these guys get these veteran rest days and they weren't nearly as popular when I was, playing or you were playing but all these guys are getting these veteran rest days and I'm not sure how much I would like letting someone do my job once a week even just in practice especially because at times center's not as hard as people make it out to be so I don't want some dude that doesn't make one tenth of what I make to go out there and show that he can do it for the bills on a week-to-week basis like I, I want those reps selfishly and selfishly I don't want anyone else to even show that they can do it and so you know, I respect that, man, that that lit something in you. And you said, man, I'd rather pee myself than let someone else come in and do my job. Oh, yeah. And they draft a guy every year, bringing a free agent every year to take your job. Like you said, right. you're a high paid veteran. They Six years with the Dolphins, I think five of the years they drafted a linebacker. Wow. So and I saw they drafted me in the third round and I was there to take over the middle linebacker position from Zach. And they told me that. Yeah. Now I'm there, and now Zach leaves two years later. I'm the middle linebacker. Oh, Ed Miles, uh, Austin Spittler. I can remember their name. And they were drafting guys in the fourth and fifth round every year. And I'm not naive. They're drafting those guys to take my job. Right. <laughs> so no, 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 no. Hey, Crowder, you want to you want to 1D? Hey, Crowder, sit down. No, no, I'm fine. I'll go run these six plays. No, you're right. good. You're good. You're you're a two. You're a three. I'm the one. Yep. Get out of here. So yeah, I, I feel just the same way you do. Yep, I respect that. Hey, at what point did you know that you wanted to transition into the media when you're done playing? Ooh, it was funny. Um, I messed around. You talking about my locker room? I used to mess around a lot, so uh, I'd make fun of everybody. I, like you said, I talk trash. I'd make fun. You of still everybody. do on the pivot. It's hilarious. Oh, I talk trash at Publix. I talk trash. At, <laughs> I just like that. You know, I like to have a good time. So um, I talk trash to the media. So as the media members came in for media sessions. I, you know, guy had on high waters. I'd be like, hey, man, it's not raining outside. You, Your pants are going to get wet. Or, man, what kind of damn shirt are you wearing? That's an ugly-ass shirt. So I just make fun of everybody. So uh, a TV station, I think Channel 6 down here, the guy came up to me, the producer was like, hey, would you let us just record you? We'll just edit it, and we want to play it at the end of the news during the credits, just, you know, as like a little funny ending, you know, 10, 15 seconds. And I was like, check with the team, and I'm fine. So they did that. And through that, the radio station reached out to me that I started working with and said, hey, you know, you're a funny dude. You want to jump on and have a Friday show? 
um, headed into the weekend, one hour at a Hooters. I was like, I get to go to Hooters, see the women. I get free food. And I think they were giving me like 200 bucks or something. I was right. like, yeah, this is a win-win. Let's do it. And that radio show for two years during the season turned into, when I retired, they asked me to fill in for a guy. That turned into a midday show. Then I got the evening drive show. And I've been doing that now for nine years. And then through that, uh, just getting with um, Brandon and all the guys on I Am Athlete First and seeing the success of that podcast, then we pivoted and then we started to pivot and then that blew up. So I think it's, it was like more organic. Like I never, man, I had no communication degree. I dropped out, I left as a sophomore. I have like right. 35 credits at Florida. I was, I was at a football vocational school, but I just saw, honestly, the simple answer, bro. I said, these folks will pay you to talk. Right. I'm in. <laughs> I am in if I get paid to talk. Yep. I'm, I'm with you there. And it allows you to stay around the game, but not work the coaching hours and all that. And yeah, you're not in the locker room. You don't necessarily feel the, the, the full um, the wave of emotions with each game. Like you can, if you're within the building, but we get to craft our own schedule a lot of times too, which is nice. And it, just like you, my wife would have told you five years ago, what does Eric like to do the most in life? And that's sit around with his buddies, talk sports, have a few beers, like, yeah, we don't drink beer on the broadcast, but like, that's what I do for a living now. And I get to have conversations like this. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, and I had a similar situation with me where I, I got a radio show spot each week. And then you just parlay that and make connections and treat people. Right. And it's funny. Cause I say treat people, right. Like you making fun of those media guys, but doing it in a way it's playful and all that. Like that is a way that you can use your personality and your gifts to, then work it in and it wasn't you kissing their butts when they walked in the locker room you know what i mean like I, I, people miss that like people want you because you're you because that's what you're good at that's that what's that's what makes you you i just see guys a lot of times that want to transition the media and i see them on tv i'm like you're nothing like that and people will love you i saw ryan fitzpatrick on thursday night football the other night and yeah. one of my really good friends i told him i said just be yourself like it, you're going to be wild at times you're going to be crazy you're going to say uh, some things that are a little outlandish, whatever it may be. I'm like, just do it. Don't be a stiff up there because th then you're never going to separate yourself in that industry. Oh, yeah, man. They say you got to be yourself because everybody else is taken. Yeah. And that's what – and that, bro, that kind of – I made my my media career even uh, with the pivot. Like, you know, Ryan Ryan Clark, he's, a, you know, he's an ESPN guy. He'll right. ask, I call him the E60 questions. So Ryan's going to ask the E60 questions. Fred's going to praise you and try to, you know, get like emotion out of you. I'm going to mess with you. I'm going right. to have some kind of crazy information. And now people expect it. And we know what we know our roles and it's what our personalities really are. Like those three personalities on the pivot are us at dinner. It's the same thing. Ryan was to have a deep conversation about life and politics. I want to make fun of Fred all night. Like it's just, you know, <laughs> it's, it's our different personalities and they line up correctly. But no, man, I've seen, I've seen a lot of guys I've seen, a bunch of players that left, and I do the same thing. Bro, why are you talking? I'll text them during the show. They'll be on air, and I'll text them. Why the hell are you talking like that? Right. <laughs> Who are you? And they'll text me back later. Oh, man, I was like, bro, that shit ain't going to work. If, I know. if you keep that up, it's not going to work. And nowadays, it's like, it's even in broadcasting studio work, no matter what it is, the, like, theatrical performance of it's over. I mean, Steve Levy's calling play-by-play -play for Monday Night Football last night, and Steve is cool as a cat. He ain't Joe Tessitore. It doesn't sound like a professional boxing match where it's this big theatrical performance. It's just cool now. Like, you can just be yourself, and that's been the power of kind of social media, podcasts, and all this. Now it's like infiltrating the broadcast in the studios, too, where you could just have some fun, and that's what makes a good broadcast and a good media segment. But you're talking about your crew with the pivot. I heard Strahan on there recently. Uh, John Morant interview was killer. Who's been, who, I don't want to say who's been your favorite guest, but like a guy that you enjoyed having on, because I know you probably like me, it's like the variety, not necessarily just, Hey, we're going to sit here and talk football. Yeah. Um, the most fun, honestly was Shaq because he walked in like and started making fun of me. <laughs> he walked in and he was like, yeah, where's that long headed, where's that long head boy? And I was like, Damn, is he, is he speaking of me? <laughs> and then he just, you know, Shaq likes to, like Shaq does comedy. You know, he does those comedy shows. So Shaq likes to mess around. He, he has that locker room in him. So he just walks in and we start, so he says something. I start uh, messing with him about his shoes. 
I'm like, man, what the? That's a whole cow to make those shoes. So now right. we just even before the camera turned on, we're you know sitting there just having a drink, and now we're just already messing with each other. So the whole show, we're just going back and forth. So that was the most fun. Uh, Floyd was interesting because like how he walks in and he came in with three hundred thousand dollars and a hundred thousand dollar Birkin bag, and so it was like you know it was like surprising. And then he sits down and it's. 25 people standing around us just that right. came with him. So it was like, you know, just to see different people's personalities. Um, I like, to be honest, it's funny. I always tell, I like Caitlyn Jenner because how different it was. Right. Like when they said, hey, you can get Caitlyn Jenner. When I was like, hell yeah, that'd be cool. We go up to her house in like the Malibu Hills. So we're riding up this mountain for like an hour and a half. We come in and you know, it's Caitlyn Jenner. But I remember Bruce, you know, so it was just like, you're in this beautiful home. You're in his house, her house, sorry. And she's just cool. She's cool. Like we're talking sports. We're talking about, you know, she loves right. um, She loves the Suns. So she's talking about the Suns it's during the NBA playoffs. Like I like that side. I just like, so, you know, the like you said, the different personalities get me. Jana Kramer, I was singing with her. Like, I just like to, I like to be around different people. Cause I, like you saying, you love to talk, but I don't want echo chambers. I like right. to argue. I don't want, right. this is the way it is. You're right. This is how it is. Oh, you're right. This That's boring to me. I want to say something. I want you to be like, no, nah, you full of crap. Now we right. have a conversation. <laughs> now yeah. we have something going, bro. Yeah, that's good stuff. I saw Floyd Mayweather at a Final Four one time. Get a, He was staying at the same hotel as I was at down in Atlanta. And they had two SUV limos. You said he came with 25 people. That doesn't surprise me one bit. They had like a, a half a car just full of girls in front. They kind of all walk in and, and you know, immediately because they're all wearing the TNT shirts. And so, you know, exactly who's going to be the last one out. And Floyd walked out. I was like, well, that's a heck of an entrance everywhere you roll. That's going to be expensive, but Hey, he's made it. And, uh, and he did it right in boxing, it, it promoting himself and doing all that and kind of changing the game money wise there. Who's a dream guest for you guys on the show. Oh, there's two, it's different. So I have, I'm a fan of people. <laughs> so like I love Samuel Jackson. I love Denzel. We we know we we on the verge of getting Brady. I would love to get Tom. We yeah. were in Tampa. We did Byron Leftwich and Leonard Fournette and Tom just that was when the whole scandal thing happened with the Dolphins. So you know we know that went to hell. Right. Um probably Barack Obama. I think Ooh. that'll be interesting to have him in an atmosphere like that locker room atmosphere because he is an athlete. Right. Ooh. Um, I love Lawrence Taylor. I would love to have LT on. I got some, yeah, that's my favorite player, but I had a dog named yeah. Lawrence Taylor. I got helmets up of Lawrence Taylor behind me. Like, I love LT. So, yeah, but I would honestly say probably the first two just as a fan would be Samuel Jackson and Denzel Washington because I just – I I feel like I know them because I've, I've watched everything they did know. For sure, for sure. Well, if you need a white guy to join the crew and you line up those guys, I, I'm, I'm in for those. I'm in for any of those. Interview. It's funny, <laughs> Zach Thomas. He, uh, I'm, I'm real. I'm still friends with Zach Thomas. He lives yeah. probably 30 minutes from me, and we see each other at some dolphin events. And he always says that too. It was like, hey man, you ever need a white dude to come on? I'm down. <laughs> like, that's cool. I got you, baby. I got you. Well, that's when you know when you're doing it right. When people are trying to join your crew, as opposed to uh, you know, kind of doing their own thing. When people want to join yours, that that's big time. And it's and the cool. The one of the other cool things about the podcast now is like um, when we did Floyd. So we did Floyd and we knew Floyd and Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod had a, their friends. So afterwards we were like, uh, we were like, hey man, you think get A-Rod? He was like, to do what? I was like, do the show. Picks his phone up and calls. Yeah. And everybody picks up for Floyd Mayweather. He's like, man, you gotta, you gotta do the, you gotta do this uh pivot show, man. These dudes are cool. The producer calls A-Rod's people the next day. We schedule A-Rod. We did Shaq the night after Shaq. The 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 time after the podcast with Shaq, he calls Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley's down the road at a bar. We go meet Charles at the bar, drink all night, eat chicken wings and stuff. He comes on the next week. It's just like, so now once you start meeting people and they kind of, you know, get to know you and see that, you know, I'm, we're not trying to set you up with questions. We're not trying no. to break news. Like we're sitting down and having a grown man conversation. I always say it's like four male territorial, you know, male lions, you know, masters of their domain, sitting down and talking. And it's so crazy, e People are so surprised by that. Like, damn, right. uh, they're rich, they're rich, and they're they're famous, and they're this. Yeah, and we sit on the back porch, like you say, drink beers and talk, just like everybody else. Like, what right. the hell you think we do? Dive right. in, dive in rooms of money, like Scrooge McDuck. 
No, we we <laughs> we we sit around and talk crap like every other man in the world. So it's uh it it was surprising to me like it, how the how the podcasting goes and how surprised people are that like we just sit around and you know it's funny we're we're people we're normal people let's For sit sure. and talk let's have a good time. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And and you're right when you when you show up in a way and you honor the guest by being prepared you all have a professional setup. You got a team around you. When you show up in that type of way, then you treat them right and you have fun. Then it's going to explode. You can blow it just as fast. Like anything else in life. I always say it takes four seconds to make an impression and four years to change it. You screw yeah. over one Floyd Mayweather and boom. Now he's not calling a rod. He's telling other people, Hey, they're, they're a waste of time. Stay away from them. So that's where in every situation you got to show a prepared life and show up ready to roll. How big, how yeah. big is your team? That's helping you guys out with the podcast. Well, our producer is awesome. Her name's Alicia Zubakowski, and she was with Hard Knocks for a long time. NFL Films and all. Um, her production is called Lobus Productions, and that's Sable backwards from Steve Sable. Like he kind of he kind of brought her up. So she's just she's a dog at production. And when we go, we uh, well we travel. You know, we go to different cities to get everybody. And so honestly, Alicia, she has cameramen in every city. We bring one guy. Uh, Charlie with us. He's kind of the, you know, the second in command. And so those two travel with us, us three. And in every city, we'll, we have an audio guy and a four cameramen, three or four cameramen, depending on where we are. So we have a group of about five and then plus us three. So yeah, eight, like we'll walk into, you know, like Michael Rubin. So we walked into Michael Rubin's house with eight people. We walked into Floyd Mayweather's con, you know, his penthouse, I call it a condo, right. <laughs> his penthouse with eight people. So we have eight people with us. And we get the job done, but it's uh yeah, it's a it's it's a small crew. Like we don't have a and I know and it's so fun on the back end, you don't want to take that for granted, the editing and the cutting and the audio and and the different angles and you know the flow of the show. And we've done we we've talked about something, we've talked about a topic, and then we came back to it, and Alicia will get it together and push the next push the, the previous topic, you know, later in the show so everything seems like it flows better. So that side of it, we're not, you know, we're privy to it. We have nothing to do with it. But, man, it's crazy to have a, have a team. And I know you know through the email, I see you have some people around you too. But, yeah, man, it's not me, it's not me Fred and Ryan setting the cameras up and, and running. Like, yeah, we have, we have a big-ass a, a seven-person team, I'd say, everywhere we go. Which is substantial for a podcast. And, and the reason I asked is because I knew you had a team around you because I can tell how professionally it's done the proper editing, whether it's the video or the audio content. So I knew there was a team around you, but everyone just thinks out there like, oh man, three athletes start a podcast and it can blow up and you can make a bunch of money. There's a team around you. I love how quickly you honor the producer with her name too. Like that, I, I like when people do that. I like when people honor people with their names. And so I like that you uh, threw her out like that. Um, Bro, she has, she has 11 Emmys on the wall. Wow. Our producer, when she was with NFL Films, Alicia Zubikowska, we went to her house in New York, 11 Emmys on the wall. Go Do your thing, AZ. That's what we call yeah. it, AZ, A-plus, do your thing. Hey, what yeah. do y'all want in the show? Whatever you want in the show. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Tom Brady of production. You, you, you're a GOAT. Just do whatever you do. Yep, and the best in life understand their lane. Like, she can't necessarily do what you do, but if you try and step on her toes, you're going to block her from doing what she does best. That's like a football team. That's anything in life. Stay in your lane. If you're not a financial advisor, don't try and invest your own money and blow all your money. Hire somebody out for, for a low amount. Don't go try and play the real estate game if you don't know real estate. My buddies have passed those deals 20 times before you get to see them online. And so I, I'm, I'm always big on that. Like you do what you do best. Try to be the best in the world at it. And then surround yourself with people that are also the best at what they do. And that's how you're successful altogether. It's funny. Um, a lot of people that know me, they say, you, they, they say it's like, I know what you're going to tell that person. Cause you know, people come up to you with deals and all. And I listen and I listen, I, I listen for real. I'm not just blowing them off. I listen. Oh yeah. Oh, a gym, oh, a restaurant, oh, this, oh, that, oh, this. Call my attorney. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I'm trying to get into real estate. Oh, real estate. My wife does real estate. Call my wife. Call this. I don't know it. So, right. but I have somebody. I have somebody in my phone, in my contacts. Uh, restaurants. I have Kimbo Camper, Bob Rusinski, those ex-Dolphins. They Marino had a restaurant. You want to do a restaurant? Call Bo Camper. Call Brew. They have. They have twelve. Why wouldn't you call? You're calling me. I have a podcast and a radio show. I'm not right. getting a restaurant. But it's funny. Every time, everybody that approaches me with any kind of business, I have a number. Call them. And if they if they vet you out, if they vet you, 
I will invest with you. We can sit down and have a business meeting, but there's no reason for me to talk about this with you. I don't know about commercial properties and the APR of the return on two years, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but this person does call them. Yep. Yep. I love that. That's great advice. All right. I'm going to talk. We're going to talk a little bit of Bill's Dolphins this week. Both teams are so good right now. There's only six undefeated teams in the NFL right now. There are two of them playing down in Miami. And then I got a couple of recurring questions for you at the end. and We'll get you out of here. But all right. First and foremost, are the Dolphins for real this year? You know, you got new head coach. Everyone's excited about Mike McDaniel. They they've been quiet. I say quietly because maybe not in South Florida but quietly assembling a very, very talented roster while accumulating draft picks. Thank you, Houston Texans and everyone else. And so they have talent all over the field. And then you add a Tyreek Hill and you add a couple uh, Armstead at left tackle. Like, are they for real this year? I think they are, man. The defense is going to be good. I know the, well, hell, the Ravens just threw up 38 on them, so it didn't look, it looked bad. But I think they were trying to go off the same game plan that beat the Ravens last year. And so that might have been a flaw, but – Xavier Howard's out there, and Byron Jones, the other corner, he's yeah. not even playing. He's on IR for this first couple of weeks. But that front, I, I, the defense is solid. It was always a question of the offense. Hell, the defense has been solid since Sam Madison and Pat Sertan. Like, the Dolphins always had a pretty good defense. Yep. We just hadn't found an offense in years. Tua came in. Flores handicapped him so bad, benching him. Denver, his first year, he was down by 10 at half, and he benched him. Down by 10? Tua was just down by 21 in the fourth quarter and threw four touchdowns, you know. So I just think his confidence was messed up by Flores, and I think that's why Tua is just starting to take off this year because McDaniel came in with that offense that's so quarterback-friendly. There's so much motion and movement. You know how he's your offensive guy. Guys, defense doesn't play as fast. When you have a jet sweep coming every time or the, or the, the chance of a jet sweep, DN slow down. You know what I'm saying? Everybody don't know if you're running that long zone either way. So you can't shoot up the field with that long zone. You create running lanes. Like, I love what McDaniel's doing as a coordinator to help Tua. And to your point, bro, we're a, it's a track meet. Waddle's a 4-2 guy. Tyreek's a 4-2 guy. Mike Gusecki's 6'6", 240. He runs a 4-4. Chase Edmonds is fast. Raheem Mostert's the fastest running back in the league. Like, right. they, put together, they put together a track team with helmets and shoulder pads on. Armstead and your boy, uh, you're a lineman guy. Connor Williams can play. Yep. I've been watching Connor. Connor Williams can play football. They did yeah. that. They drafted them young linemen. They're trying to shuffle them around and see what they can do. But I, I the weapons and what McDaniel, because, you know, the players have to play. But I've seen terrible coaching here for a long time. I played for Cam Cameron, won his 15 year. Joe Philbin, like, I've covered and played under bad coaches. And McDaniel through camp, and now he knows what he's doing. And he knows how to fit guys into what they do well. It's not, this is my system. Figure it right. out. He Tua, if 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 you if Tua needs to roll out or move those little quarter rolls, not the long zones, he'll move them a little bit. He want to create a running lane, he'll insert a tight end just to create another little gap or another, you know, something else that Tua can see through because he's not the tallest guy. Like when you when you watch the offensive scheme, you'll see it this week. When you watch it, watch it. It's very, it's a very intelligent scheme to Kyle Shanahan, even back to Shanahan's daddy. His right. daddy had a hell of a scheme back in Denver. Like the, it, it's smart football, it's strategic football. So I think we got the talent, but I really do think Mike McDaniel is taking us to a new level with how good of a coach he is. Yeah, yeah, he's been impressive through a couple of weeks. The guys are obviously bought in. This kind of McVay, even like the Kyle Shanahan tree has been so successful. I mean, McVay's the star of that tree, but. Yeah. Man, coming off of Kyle Shanahan, but what they've been able to do, and it's funny because motion on every play, it allows you to see the coverages, it moves the gaps on the defense, it makes it hard on the defense, um, but it also gives the quarterback a lot of knowledge. It can be tough on the O-line, though, because when everyone's moving, like we're going to certain spots, well, now you just moved. And now we got to figure out where we want to go. And if you don't have five smart old linemen, and that's where having a good offensive line and having some veterans up there with all that motion, and everything that makes a big difference. Um, the, mic, but, uh, the mic changes five times. Exactly. Was the mic? Twenty seven is the mic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, do you uh, have you watched the Bills much this year? Yeah, I watched the Rams game, and I watched last night. Or oh, what was that? Monday night. Yeah, yeah, they played the, they beat the hell out of the Titans. The Bills are, bro, <laughs> I praised the Dolphins. I praised the Bills the same way. <laughs> I yeah. I'll say it. We have a good front four down here. Good front front seven. Y'all's front seven are pro bowler after pro bowler, man. 
It's stupid. Is uh, Tredavious White isn't even there yet? You he know what I'm saying? Like out. it's, it's crazy the talent that y'all have. I know. The, uh, I went out in the spring and I was standing there with Sean McDermott during the practice, and I looked around and you know they just gave Dawson Knox a four year extension, made him a top five played um tight end in the league but outside of running back and tight end they have pro bowlers are all pro at every single position every single position group and so yeah. and then they had so much talent on that defense a lot but then you know as well as anyone you bring in a von miller who's a future hall of famer now he's creating a lot of attention which frees the guys up he also teaches all of them now they can see it they see what a future hall of famer looks like you know when you have a team full of first and second round draft picks on the defensive line but no one truly to learn from like that that has greatness then it's kind of tough to know exactly what that looks like. Well, they get to see it now on a day-to-day basis, which has completely changed the game. You know, people keep asking me, like, well, what stops the Bills? I'm like, like any team, injuries, turnovers, you know, dumb mistakes. But, you know, injuries, turnovers. Like, you get the wrong guy hurt. And that's where when you – there's been very – there's been dominant teams besides the 72 Dolphins and the Patriots that have gone perfect seasons, and there's been teams capable of it. You just can't stay healthy throughout a season uh, with all your key guys. So we'll see how it shakes out. It should be a fun one down in South Florida this weekend. And one thing I said about the Bills developing guys, because we had Phillip down here, and he wasn't what he is now. Right. You know, I've watched Ed Oliver come out and every year get better and better and better and better. Uh, Rousseau, Greg Rousseau, he was good at Miami, but now you're seeing, to the Von Miller point, you're seeing his rush plan. He's not just running off the edge as fast as he can. You're seeing him dip inside, set up his moves. You're seeing, like, the development of guys. Bro, I'm not going to lie. Josh Allen wasn't good early in his career. No. Bro, down here, he missed a wide-open Charles Clay in the end zone for a touchdown. He two-hopped it to him. No pressure. He just was not good. What was it, day ball? They, them boys came in, and they really developed Josh Allen into an MVP candidate. That's what I'll say one thing about the Bills. When you watch them year to year, and they're in the division, we watch them twice a year, but they're always on primetime now. You're seeing guys that are getting better in year five, in year six, in year seven, and that's impressive as hell. The Bills have a hell of a coaching staff. Yeah, I got to play for Sean McDermott for one year, but we've done a lot together. He wrote the forward for my new book. We're pretty close. You know, as you get older in the league, like a younger coach comes in, and you're your you know, your wives are good friends and you end up becoming friends with the coaches too which is weird you know you go from college to nfl and all that yeah. but um yeah sean on a day-to-day basis just the consistency he lives with what he expects of you you're going to get better they've had tremendous stability when you have a lot of stability within an organization and you talk about jordan phillips talk about greg Rousseau, and you talk about mike mcdaniel putting guys in a position to succeed and setting them up for success very small detail in the game last night they lined up Greg Russo at three technique for the first time as a Bills player. Second second rep ever as a three technique in the NFL. Well, you know why they did it? Because he's six foot six with a seven foot wingspan. And the guard that they had in it for Tennessee is six foot one, 278 pounds. That guy can't even touch Greg. All he did was extend his arms. And that dude's walking backwards with his hands up in the air because he can't even touch him. They knew they had that matchup. They waited for a key point in the game and an obvious pass rush, and it's the easiest sack of the year, and now Greg's getting praised. You stick him out on the edge and let him run the edge one more time, he doesn't get home, and everyone says, oh, man, you know, Greg didn't get a sack last night. You put him in a great position, now all of a sudden Greg Rousseau had another great game. And that's yeah. where good coaches, yes, yes, it is more about the Jimmys and Joes than the X's and O's, but a good coach can make you look really good. Oh, 100%. And that's why that's why the good coaches get paid the way they do. And that's when people criticize coaching coaches and their salaries. I tell them, shut up, just like players and their salaries. Oh, it's not worth that. He's worth what they'll pay him and go watch some film. And it's fun, like X and O stuff. I don't, you know, I don't know if people really get into the X and O stuff, but I love that side of the game. And you know, you know, when the, Andy Reid, I watch those Chiefs games and I just look at the offense and look at their little twerks and look at their little stacks. And I'm like, this dude is so damn smart. Their creativity the in the red zone doesn't understand it. Kansas City's creativity in the red zone, especially inside the 10 yard line. I mean, I laugh out loud watching what they do sometimes. Like, you know, they're running a shovel pass and you still can't stop it. Like, now they put a dude in motion. You know, it's a receiver goes all the way across. Then he goes back into the backfield. Now he's the shovel guy. Okay, as soon as you pack it in, they got a guy sitting in the flat. That's why no one's sitting there for the shovel. And then as soon as you cover all of it, Patrick Mahomes just walks into the end zone. And what they do, like that, 
that that stuff to me i love the chess the chess match of football is my favorite part about the game on this side of things like the broadcast side is knowing okay this is a rex ryan tree defensive guy so this is what his third downs are going to look like what's this oc who comes from this tree like how does he do it and he's also got these guys on his team so how's that affect things Oh, yeah. And it's great. Like you're saying, the fire zones, Dom Caper stuff. It's so funny. You say names in it. And those those defenses click to me. That, yeah. yeah, those three fours and all. Yeah, you you know it, but it's a it's it's a lot of fun. And it's one thing that I that I do with Ryan, Fred, even my buddies from college. You know, when me and Zach sit down, sooner or later, we're gonna get into an X and O who's smarter competition. And there's right. really no answer. You know how it is. You could we could go on forever. Right. Oh, you're gonna do this one. We're gonna do Y Y wing slot. Oh, well, we're gonna do that. We'll, we'll offset the back week, and then we just go back and forth talking. And people around are like, "What in the hell are y'all talking about?" But yeah. it's just it's fun. it's fun. We did shit. I started playing when I was twelve, like you know, eighteen years, whatever it was. Yeah. Like it's part of your life now. It's part of your your psyche. Yeah, that's 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 what we know best. And what people don't realize is we can talk football at football one hundred and one because we do media work. But football four hundred and one is a different language. It's a completely different language. There's Mike's and Sam, there's Will, there's zone fires, there's double egg, there's like there's just different terminology. You can go down the line with offensive line calls and defensive line calls and calling out someone's college mascot because he's gonna be the picker on a stunt. And you know, then the then the offense moves and you're yelling, you know, uh, gator, gator. And I'm like, okay, well now Crowder's gotta be picking the center in the double a it's like it could be it could become a totally different language but a good broadcaster can have all that knowledge and then get, just rein it into that football 401 peel back the covers enough but then not confuse someone where like well now i don't know anything about ball it's hard for me to enjoy yeah and one thing is funny one thing i don't know if zach taught it to me but i saw it through zach thomas if a coach needs a dry race board to explain something to you he doesn't know football wow and if you need to see it if you need to see a picture of it, you really don't know ball. If you can't talk it out with, you know, with with terminology, with I near and I fall, why why wing, you know, trip slot and all. If you can't talk that talk, you honestly don't know football. And yeah. if, when I talk guys, and you could see guys who try to keep up, players, and I don't call anybody up, there's players that play in the NFL that don't know football. <laughs> they really right. don't know football. They know I have the B gap on the run, and if they pass, I have to beat this guard but they don't see the motion. They don't see the splits. They don't see that stuff. And that's why they usually those guys aren't going to make it that long. Yeah. And it becomes really tough to communicate during a game and play with guys like that because you're like, Hey, they were in and under defense, but they shifted to a three, four. So now you have to fan the front side and we'll go man on the backside. And that's how we get. And if someone can't do that, it becomes really hard, especially in game to make any types of adjustments. And those dudes are tough to play with. That's a great oh, point. Yeah. And that's what that's what good coaches have to do. They have to they have to teach ball, not your job. If you just know your job, you can't do it. And I'll actually have coaches, you know, George Edwards played with him. He's in Dallas now. He was my linebacker coach. He was in he, he was in Buffalo like, for a minute. Okay, yeah, George. And George would look at me and be like, hey, he'd just say a number. Hey, hey, Crowder, yeah, help out 93. All he said, help out 93. And that's him telling me he doesn't just he does not know what's going on. But if you get him in his gap. He'll he'll knock the tackle out, but just get him in his gap. And so right. I'll be sliding, sliding folks over half cut da, 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 to do that. But it's a uh, it's 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 when you can put talent, hard work and 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 education smarts together. That's when you get pro bowlers. That's when you get Hall of Famers. JT, all the guys, you know, the guys you brought up, those guys work hard, God given talent, but also study and are intelligent. You get the junior sales. You get those guys. Yep. I always say God doesn't give many people all the all the gifts, but the ones that he does, they look like LeBron James and they look like those types of dudes because they're so smart as well as being elite physically. Now, there's a lot of dudes that are elite physically. They don't have the brain and then vice versa. And so it's that perfect combination. Perfect combination. Man, that was fun. Talk. I, I could do that for a while. I, it, I enjoy I enjoy that stuff. All right. A few recurring questions. Uh, are you a reader at all? Yes. What's your favorite biographies? Yeah. Do you have a favorite book? Who actually it's not autobiography. It's um screw tape diaries. You ever heard about it? No. It's a it's an old book, but it's a it's a it's an old demon trying to explain to his nephew how to how weak humans are. 
and try how how to make the, how to make them you know leave their morals and come to the evil side. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of like it's it's a religious book, but it's cool. It's just a cool book to hear the, a, a demon talk to a young demon about how people's minds work and all. And it's cool. I must have read it four or five times. It's just a the concept's cool. It's big as hell. They have those long you know old school you know Bible words in it. You know yeah. how self cometh and all. But it's like the concept of it's just cool to hear demons talk to each other about us. And I, 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 it was weird. I picked it up one day on a fluke and I've read it four times. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. Um, if, if you're a man of faith, what role does your faith play in your life? Oh, uh, everything. You know, I'm, it's funny. My, my preacher at Church by the Glaze, David Hughes, he calls me a CEO. I go on, I go on Christmas, Easter, and one other day of the year. <laughs> I'm not a big church guy. But I'm very spiritual. We go yeah. fishing together. You know, our kids pray together. We pray and all that stuff. But it's just, I, I think it just, it, it, it centers you when, when things seem like, when, when things seem like they're world winning, when life's going on, work, family, kids, you know, travel, you know, sickness, with this COVID crap. And it just seems like, you know, what's going on? You can sit down and just, it just kind of centers you to know that there's a higher power out there. And I believe in like faith. Like I think it's lined up. You just can't, you don't you just can't mess it up. So if you start smoking crack, you're messing up your fate. But as long as you keep the keep the right path and, and and do the right thing and do right by people, like I think it's all lined up for you. So I just try to really make it's funny. I don't even like I'm the guy that'll go back and give change back to the cashier if they give you a dollar too much. You know, I'm not gonna cheat on my taxes. Like I really just try to do right by everybody, and I've been blessed a thousand times over. So karma, fate, whatever you want to call it. I'm big into just doing right by humans. And like I say, I tell everybody I'm spiritual. I'm not religious because I'm not going to church but three, four times a year. Well, I think we overcomplicated at times because uh, Jesus said himself, it's quoted in all four gospels. So it, it was quoted directly. The biggest commandments, love God and love people. Like we create a bunch of rules and we've created a bunch of rules over the years. And there are other, are other expectations, but love God and love people. That's the most important things. You, 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 you start with that. And, and like you said, you're going to, you're going to be happy with what surrounds you in your life. Yeah. And what, um, Oh, for that football saying, what, what happens in the dark will be shown in the lights, yep. you know, with the, the work you do behind closed doors will be shown when it's, when it's time to go. It's the same thing with religion, man. Like, if you think you're getting over on people or getting over and nobody's around, just like working out, if nobody's watching you finish your 10 reps, you're 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 losing out on getting better. If you're thinking you're getting over on people by messing over people, there's somebody watching you. <laughs> like you're, you're never, right. you're never, you know, they're never secret. You're never, oh, I got them. No, you didn't get them, you didn't get God. And so right. that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the way. And I'm not perfect. Yeah, I've been locked up four times, you know, when I was a kid. Like I'm nowhere close to perfect, but now that's why I kind of see like. No matter if you can get away with it, you're not getting away with it in the Lord's eyes. So that was just saying, right. just be good. Just, just be nice to people. Be good to people. Try to do right by folks. Yeah, and we crucified the only perfect person, so it's probably good that you're not perfect yourself. And I'm not either. Hey, I'm man, hard no. Far hey, from it. Far yeah. from it. What was your first car? My first car was a, who, a teal Toyota Paseo. What's a yep. Paseo? It's a small little, me and you could pick it up and throw it over a fence right now. It was, yeah. yeah, I worked at Bass Pro Shop selling shoes, my first job, and I only got me $1,800 and bought the Toyota Paseo. They don't even make them anymore. They shouldn't have made, they shouldn't have made them in the first place, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even make them anymore. It was a little bitty Toyota, little two-door. I could barely fit in it. The, 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 the driver's seat was laying on the, laying on the back seat. But yeah, it was all I could afford at the time. Yeah. What's your favorite restaurant down in Miami? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, ooh, and if you're anything like me, you gotta be yeah, if you're anything like me, you gotta be careful because you don't want to offend your buddies, but go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But I'll be honest, there's there's Prime 112. Yes, that's like the big one. I'm sure you've been there. The big Love steakhouse it. and all. Okay, it's like you go, that's where the celebrities yeah. go. You well, gotta go to I, I love it. I, I think they got the best espresso martini in the country. Um, yeah. What's what's the black woman's name who served uh, the bartender there? Um, I got I got her name in my phone because um, a, a real close my, Miles is the owner. Yeah, a real close friend of mine always says, "Go see her, tell her I said hi, and she'll pour you two yeah. drinks, and she'll make you the best uh, espresso martinis you ever had in your life." 
That's awesome, bro. And what I tell you, it's, it's um, you know, David Groupman. No. The um, he's a big millionaire, you know, developer and all this stuff. But he's starting to bring his restaurant. He's like in New York and L.A., but he brought a gecko down here. Um, Komodo is another one. Like he's starting to make legit. these. Little, yeah, so he started to make these restaurants. So yes, yeah, man, it's so hard. I'm not even trying to hurt people's feelings. I'm just thinking. And then old like Rustic Inn, there's a seafood spot in here called Rustic Inn that's off the chain, man. Man, that's my like me and my wife. We we enjoy going to nice restaurants, having you yeah. know date nights and stuff. So yeah, if I think about it, man, I probably think of twenty more. It, well, do you, have you done Cafe Moderano? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we <laughs> the, the original one. Yeah. It's better than the Hard Rock one. Yeah, Sorry. I've only been to the original one there. I've been to the one in Vegas too, but I've only been to the original one there. And one night we did it the night before the game and they just kept bringing out food. I woke up in the morning. I'm like, never again, never again. Am I doing that the night before a game? That was dumb. Are them portions not huge? Oh, the meatball, it, meatballs the size of my head. Right. They bring six of them out. I'm like, good grief. And that's a big old head. Yeah. What's Shaq on you long head? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny oh boy that was that uh and what alien then the predator and then uh yeah um uh, blow pop uh all kind of <laughs> yeah i've got them all so whenever uh, i get a head joke i put it away and i find somebody else with a big head and hit them with the old jokes <laughs> oh that's hilarious all right last one for me this is what's next with eric wood what's next for channing crowder i know you got your radio show you got the podcast what's coming down the line for you um continue try to maybe might be get on the production side and do some stuff try to produce some things um i did a fishing show a fishing pilot that we're going to expand on after the football season i'm going to start really we did the pilot down here and we're going to start moving and shooting i'm actually yeah you're the first person to hear this i'm actually um i'm going to start i'm going to do some stand-up sets nice try to do stand-up comedy and uh, I have I have some buddies uh desi bane i know a bunch of comedians in atlanta so i'm going to try to get them to help me out and explain it to me so, you know, maybe jump in a show too here with some stand-up comedy. But, man, just try stuff, to be honest. He, like, that's another thing, too, that I don't think a lot of people do is just try stuff. Like, yes. failure, failure is your biggest teacher. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I go, up on, I go up on the stage of comedy, nobody laughs. I've learned, okay, your fucking ass ain't funny. So go, <laughs> go back and do the podcast, you know. But just try things. Man, I have a shark diving company. I have charter boat companies. Um, a bunch of real estate stuff, like just trying it, seeing yep. if it works. You'll take some, you'll take, you know, you'll take some, you'll take some, some financial losses, but also some emotional losses too. Yeah. But how you, how are you going to know if you can do it if you don't ever do it? Yep. And you, you, you don't truly lose in those situations if you, if you don't learn. Like as long as you learn something from it, you keep growing. You know, I, I invested in a gym one time here in town and it was the latest and greatest, looked like a, combine training spot in LA well you know what that's not a great spot in Louisville Kentucky for it whatever you know take a full loss move on but when guys so I talked to so many guys now about transitioning out of ball whether transition out of military you're a big CEO and you're transitioning out you know what what exactly to do try some things and and don't be afraid don't feel like you got to be an absolute expert to start a podcast or to go out and and do something to be a comedian like you could train the next 15 years and maybe be more confident, but no one might care about Channing Crowder in 15 years. Like go strike while the iron's hot and you got this successful podcast and everything else going. So I, I honor you for doing that. I love that. I Doing speaking now, preachers and comedians are my two favorite people to pay attention to. Preachers have to show up every single week. They got to bring that material, but they get better and better very, very quickly because it's the constant reps and preparation and all that stand up comedians. You're so vulnerable up there by yourself. You also at times got to play off the crowd. So you're almost like an improv guy, but you have this super prepared set of material that you've worked on. And I often think that comedians are the best communicators, storytellers out there. So if we're doing podcasting, whatnot, those are my favorite people to watch. Oh yeah, and the comedian stuff. So, cause I have, I got my 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 uh, iPhone notes are loaded with jokes and topics and all this. That's just pages of them. Yeah. But I don't know if they work. And I, but I have to try. I have to go out there and see. And also, I would say, man, a big part of just talking about the next step, the the transition, the pivot, all, all that we're speaking of. My wife was a gigantic part. Like you talked about the spiritual mm. side, which God is there. But my wife was. I'm probably. 70% of make, making my transition easy, 
being there for me, encouraging me to do stuff, encouraging me to jump out there and saying like, hey, do this, try this, got me into real estate. She's big, she's, that's her thing is real estate. But I didn't even like real estate. I didn't, I was like, no, I'm setting my money in the damn market. Like, no, it took her years to talk me into doing real estate. Now, yeah. real estate's awesome. You know, like, but having a good woman, man, I don't, I don't you know, don't know your marriage situation yeah. at all, but having a good woman is the what is bigger than anything else that I've had post-career. Man, one, I am happily married and I brag on her all the time. And I always tell guys, I respect guys so much more when they brag on their wives. Like to me, it's not cool to sit around on a golf course and talk crap about your wife. Like to me, like she ain't there. If you're going to do it, do it in front of her face. Like you're, you're here, like complain and like do something about it, like pour into your relationship and maybe, maybe you'll be more satisfied and maybe you don't need to be spending so much time on a golf course if your relationship sucks so bad. But in my notes and preparing for this, Part of the notes I had was really cool job. Recently, you did a big deal talking about uh, how, how your wife is such a big part of your success. And I read about that recently. And I was like, man, that's really cool. He did that because you don't have to do that. But yeah. they need to be honored as well. And often they're not in the spotlight and they take care of our kids and make sure everything else in your life is running smooth so that you can step out and chase your dreams. My wife is the exact same way. And, you know, people said, oh, I can't believe, you know, right when I get in, right when I get out of the league, I, I start calling college football games on Saturday, NFL games, radio Sunday. So I'm gone Thursday to Monday. And everyone's like, Leslie let you do that. I said, <laughs> she encouraged me, yeah. you know, and she said, you know, it'll be just like when you're playing, it's a busy fall. You have a little bit of an off season. This will be great. And everyone else yeah. is like, I can't believe you left, you know, yeah. you got a newborn and a, and a two and a half year old. I'm like, no, Leslie's great. That's it's cool. all good. And, and, your wife, I call it the crumbs. So like what you are, you're a charismatic dude, you know, a media personality. So you're all, you have to be on and you laugh and you joke and you make people feel great around you and all. Sometimes at home, you can't, you can't be on. Mm. Like I call it the crumbs of a person. So you see the sandwich, you see the burger, but there's the crumbs around that aren't glorified, but they're just there. And your wife has to deal with that sometimes. Your wife had to deal with the retirement, deal with, you know, you trying to figure it out, you know, not, not on a, uh, like I said, not during the game on a Saturday, right. but on a Tuesday. You know, that first Tuesday after you retired, you're kind of sitting on the couch, just kind of looking at the ground. She was there for that. She was there for the hard time. Everybody else sees the good times. They see the pretty stuff. They see the birthday cake. But everybody doesn't see the crumbs. And a good woman, I always, I, my saying is like, like something happened to my wife would be sick or something, and I'd be taking care of her. And she'll say, oh, thank you so much. Because I love your crumbs. It's a thing I kind of, mm. like me and my wife have. I love your crumbs. So that's kind of the thing, too, is that the, the great thing they say, and people say, oh, you're rich. Yeah, you're, you know, you're rich. So, you know, your wife, y'all have money. That's what is good. After you have money, then money's there. Money, so only amp money, amp money amplifies what was already there. So if you have a great relationship, money will likely make it even more joyful. If you're a generous person, you'll probably be more generous. If you're a cheapskate, tightwad, you're going to be even more. If you were a dick before, you're going to be even a bigger dick. But if you were fun and life of the party, well, you probably have a little less stress now and you probably be the exact same way now. Money amplifies you. If you're a drug addict and you give someone a bunch of money, you know, and they come into the NFL, it just makes it worse. And yeah. it, it is what it is, but yeah, and, and you're spot on. I've always heard it said, you're going to, you, you only have so much capacity in your life and you're going to cheat someone. And often we cheat those in our lives. We cheat them out of our best because we know or assume they'll always still be there. And so oftentimes we give our wife what's left at the end of the day, or our kids and, and without being intentional, I can do the same, but I try and make it a point each and every day, build them into the schedule where like, okay, they're getting my best time too. And not six o'clock when I'm fried. That's cool, man. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm going to use that one. Cause yeah, a lot of people do it. You try to give, give too much away. You can't give it all. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you got crazy stuff going on. I'm so glad we knocked it out. This Bill's Dolphins week. We'll have to make some kind of friendly wager on the game. I feel like you still owe me like Joe's crap shack or something from, yeah, that's uh, a Joe Stone Crab. Yeah, we Joe Stone Crab. Sorry, not Crab. Hey, Stone Crab, not Crab Shack. I didn't try to have Crab Shack. Stone Crab. <laughs> that's all me. We go to the Crab Shack. A little, little better on my pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate <laughs> no, you, brother. No, man. Congratulations, really, with all you're doing, bro. I love to see it. I love to see ex ball players, guys I played, and all that stuff. Just have success, man. And you're, you're super talented. I've heard you call games. I'm gonna get your book. Anytime you want me on, come on. I'm sure we're going to have you come on our radio show here. You know, 
hell, probably by the end of the week, to be yeah, honest. You'll yeah, probably a couple call. days. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, bro, I love it. And thank you so much, Big Dog. No, my man, I appreciate you. Proud of you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode, presented as always by Punched Energy Chews. If you haven't already, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Share it on social media as well, and we will share it too. I would also love it if you could pre-order my book, Tackle What's Next. It's on Amazon, and the link to do that is in the show notes. Let's keep making our what's next in life our best yet.